You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical! <laughs> but before we do that, it's very important that we cover a couple ground rules. These for are the example. Rules, <laughs> these are the rules that cannot hit the ground or else we will all be eternally Damned? dishonored. Oh, yes. oh. Dishonored. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I'm Lauren. Um, I was raised Christian, Presbyterian to be specific, and I'm now an atheist. And I'm Nico. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible. Also, it's not for kids. I didn't even finish my sentence. Well, whatever. I don't care. Okay. And there, I just want to introduce the panel tonight. Um, first of all, we have a writer who's been featured on... The Toast, Slate, um, L.A. Review of Books, and many other places, Lauren O'Neill. Yay! Yay for me! (laughs) Uh, On the other side of the room, we have uh, someone who doesn't write, but he plays a lot of music, and he's real cool and good and cute. That's Nico Bakulich! Hello! I don't have any notable credits. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of lacking notable credits... Today we're reading a different sort of book. That's right. That's not true. It's not that different. But it is apocryphal in the Protestant Bible. Mm -hmm. So this week we're going back to the apocryphal and we're becoming apocryphals once again. Mm -hmm. We're like young apocryphals. Young young apocryphal what? Foles. Oh, foles. Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Apocryphal, baby. Oh, what? <laughs> Unnecessarily harsh. Uh, so we're talking about the book of Tobit or Tobit. Mm-hmm. Tobit. Tobit. More like Tobit because this book sucks. <laughs> what? I'm just that doesn't kidding. make any sense. It doesn't suck. Also, Tobits don't suck. I don't know. That's an apocryphal right there. Uh, regardless, uh-huh. um, we do want to preface it with our standard... Trigger warning that it might contain disturbing content. Yeah. You know, it's the Bible. So it's old. Um, It's from another time when some people will tell you that those times were better. And I will tell you that those times are different. They're definitely worse, (laughs) as we're about to see. Mm -hmm. Um, So so the book of Tobit is not in my Bible. Okay. Not my normal NIV. Where'd you read it? Um, I read it at BibleGateway.com. Um, Classic. And I read the Good News translation. Why? Because Mallory Ortberg, our guest, a couple episodes <laughs> made fun of it, and I thought it would be fun to read it. Oh, interesting. Um, but you have it in your NRSV, Oh, yeah. Right? My, my NRSV is the Oxford NRSV, including the Apocryphunk, mm. which means it's got up. Keep trying them the entire episode you're already out there's no more <laughs> what no i have like 12 more okay i'm bracing myself my cool bible has everything in it i don't have to go other places to find spiritual information so it has the apocrypha in it meaning well i think first of all can mm-hmm. we talk can we rap for a second yeah i feel like calling it the apocrypha is kind of harsh because like it's in the catholic bible it is and in the eastern orthodox bible and that's like 40 percent plus of the 
of the Christians yeah. in the world? I didn't even know until we started doing this podcast. That Catholics had extra Bibles? That Catholics had extra books in the Bible. <laughs> like wisdom teeth. <laughs> Just waiting. Oh, but in more way than one. Because this book is full of wisdom. Well, wouldn't go that far. And I can use it to grind down those tasty greens <laughs> that I need to live. Yep. That's exactly how the Bible works. Uh, if any of our <laughs> listeners were raised Catholic or have experience with Catholicism, you might know about this book, except that something I've also learned since starting this podcast is that like Catholics don't really read the Bible. So why do Catholics, the branch of Christianity that is apparently, and I this is not like my personal judgment, but this is just what I've been told, that apparently don't read the Bible that much. Why do they get extra books? You would think you would. It's weird, right? You think you would give the extra this books is, um, to the people that read them. So I was raised Presbyterian. That's mm -hmm. you know a form of Protestantism, and in in Protestantism, like the Bible is considered the ultimate authority, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what your preacher says if the Bible says different. Mm. And because that was the whole like point of the Protestant Revolution. Yeah, that was like one of the things that separated that like the men from the boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The wheat from the chaff. Mm -hmm. The cream from the milk. Okay. For um, for a really good short summary of the Protestant Reformation, uh -huh. I recommend listening to the episode of History Honeys, um, a podcast that's kind of like ours because it's like a couple learning about history together. Mm -hmm. um, they have an episode about Anabaptists mm -hmm. that includes a short rundown of the Protestant Reformation that it's like. Gives you all the highlights. It's real good. Yeah. So the Catholic Bible has a bunch of like extra little books in there that I guess nobody reads. Um, I was raised Protestant. You were raised non-believing mm -hmm. um, with some small Jewish elements. Small Jewish so. elements like <laughs> hydrogen, helium. Is helium Jewish? Well, it was Heliumovich and then they had to change it at, at Ellis Island. That makes sense. Um. We don't actually know anything about Catholicism. Uh, <laughs> you know. True, I guess. Did, did we get a Catholic guest to give us a more accurate background on the Book of Tobit? No. We decided to speculate wildly. <laughs> uh, I have played several Assassin's Creed games, I'll let you know. I would say that everything we say about Catholics and Catholicism in this episode uh -huh. is 100% accurate and true. For example... <laughs> All Catholics have an extra toe, except for converts who have two extra toes, of course. Because they got to get one extra because they came to it late. Yeah. yeah. yeah and they haven't spent as much yeah. time living with the extra toe. Also, Catholics are not allowed to say the word milk, although they are allowed to drink it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, Catholics are only allowed to drink red wine, which is why we are drinking red wine right now. Can I get a, a review of the, of the wine from you tonight? It's terrible. It's probably on par with communion wine. Uh, I personally grew up taking communion with grape juice because mm -hmm. I'm not a filthy papist. I grew up taking communion with grape drank. <laughs> that must have been because I go a lit-ass communion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, so, fun facts. I mean, fast facts. They're not that fun. <laughs> oh, shit. You shouldn't. We really shouldn't sell out the segment before okay. it starts. Extremely entertaining facts. <laughs> Tobit or Tobit. I mm. still don't. I mean, in I think in Hebrew it would be Tovit, but I don't know. Um, is not in the Protestant Bible because it's not in the Jewish Bible. That's right. AKA the Tanakh. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason it's not in those Bibles is because the origins are very unclear. Um, no one's really sure when it was written. They used to think it was written in like 100 AD, mm -hmm. um, but then after the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 50s, the 1950s, um, they now think it's more like 100 BC. Mm -hmm. But in any case, it's way, way after the events that it's describing, which are from like 700 or 800 BC. Right. And it's definitely post-exilic because it has a couple turns of phrase that are directly taken from Deuteronomical books um, that had, that like only became proper super canon after the exile. Actually, speaking of duders, <laughs> apparently Catholics often refer to this book as deuterocanonical. Deuterocanonical. And so like 
duder, <laughs> meaning like two, you know, mm-hmm. like duo. Um, like, so it's like second tier canon. Oh. Yeah. These are the B tier books. Yeah, this is the B sides of the Bible. <laughs> oh, we're in the B sides and unreleased section of the yeah, Bible? Yeah, we're in the demos. Um, so it's a story about the Assyrian exile, or it takes place during the Assyrian exile. Mm-hmm. I thought we should probably refresh people on the Assyrian exile because I know we have a lot of new listeners and also some of our old listeners might not remember all the details because they yeah, are some of our, some confusing. Some of our and... co-hosts might not remember all the yeah. details. Yeah. Oh, you, for example. Well, I mean, like, I definitely remember that it happened and that it was, like, the second most important exile. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, back in the day, mm-hmm. there were 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, this is familiar uh-huh. to me. Descended from the 12 sons of Jacob, also called Israel. 12 large sons of Jacob, uh-huh. yes. And uh, that's kind of a bit of an oversimplification because some of them are like half tribes and mm-hmm. like his son's son, like it, whatever. Close enough to say 12 tribes, 12 sons of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and these 12 tribes are living in the promised land, mm-hmm. uh, but some infighting happens and the kingdom splits in two. So then there's the northern kingdom, Israel, with its capital at Samaria. Mm-hmm. And that one's bigger and 10 of the 12 tribes live there. Then there's the southern kingdom of Judah with its capital at Jerusalem, and two of the 12 tribes live there. Mm-hmm. Again, that's an oversimplification because I think it's kind of like 2.5 and 9.5. Sure, something like that. I think the Levites are kind of split between. I thought that the like half, some of the half tribes like lived on the other side of the Jordan something, or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. But okay, you know, like good enough. Um, so in the books of Kings and Chronicles, we went through this big long list of rulers of both kingdoms over hundreds of years. Uh, some were good, most were bad. Yeah, you, you and go I back wrote and, a song about yeah, it. We, yeah, some were bad and some were good, as our <laughs> song said, to rhyme with something that I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want to hear the gory details, and they were quite gory. Quite gory indeed. Um, but at some point, Assyria took over the northern kingdom, mm-hmm. Israel, and deported all the Israelites to Assyria. So that's the Assyrian exile. Right. Later on, Babylon took over the southern kingdom, Judah, and deported all the Jews to Babylon, and that's the Babylonian exile. Now, the Babylonian exile ended when Persia took over Babylon. God, this is fucking complicated. And they let the Jews go back to their homeland in Jerusalem, in Judah. Um, But the Assyrian exile never ended. Oh. So those 10 tribes were just gradually assimilated into the surrounding population, Mm -hmm. which is why they're called the 10 Lost Tribes of Israel, um, which you may have heard of due to various conspiracy theories. And reggae music, yeah. And reggae music. Um, So so Tobit, the protagonist of this book, Mm -hmm. is in one of those 10 Lost Tribes, Mm -hmm. the tribe of Naphtali. Mm -hmm. And this book is about what happens to him uh, and his family in Assyria. So as a reminder, this is from a period in Judaism when the Jews were struggling. They had a plague, mm-hmm. and the plague was idol worship. You ask an ancient Israelite which god he worshipped, he'd say, what do you got? Mm-hmm. They'll worship anything. They so- worship Baal. They worship Asherah. They worship the sun. They worship the moon. Mm-hmm. They worshipped poles. They worshipped statues. There was nothing they loved more than worshiping things other than the one true God that defined them as a people. <laughs> That's right. They would go to every high place that they could find and sacrifice whatever they got. It did not matter how many thousands of them God smote. They just could not wait to get their little paws on another idol to worship. <laughs> it's true. So that's the atmosphere in which this book takes place. So our hero, Tobit, mm-hmm. um, comes from a family that is worshiping the golden bull. Right. But he's still got he still got memories of the good times. And he yeah, he's actually observant. Mm-hmm. Um, so he makes all the right sacrifices, he donates the correct amounts to the temple and to the poor, and he goes to the religious festivals in Jerusalem. He believes in the one true God. Right. He doesn't care that his family is idolatrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has a wife named Anna. Okay. And he has a son named Tobias. Yeah. And they're chilling in Israel until they and everyone they know gets deported to Syria. 
And in Assyria, our hero, Tobit, runs afoul of the law. Well, he's doing pretty good at first. Yeah. Because he gets this job working for the emperor, Shalmaneser. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like a buyer. And so he goes on all these, he's going on all these business trips. And on one of these trips, he hides 600 pounds of silver coins Mm -hmm. uh, with his buddy, Gabael, Mm -hmm. in a place called Media. It doesn't say what kind of media this is. Broadcast media, print media, social media. I don't know. Also, it seems kind of suspicious. Like, is he embezzling money or what? But whatever. I don't care. I don't care about the interests of an ancient Assyrian emperor. I'm with I'm with our man Tobit. Yeah, I assume Tobit is blameless and he's doing the right thing. Um, but then what happens is Shalmaneser dies mm-hmm. and his son takes over. Okay. And he's much more hostile to Jews. Mm. And he kills a bunch of them. And Tobit, being very observant, as we know, um, buries the bodies of all the dead Jews in accordance with the law of Moses. Which is somehow illegal? I don't know if it's illegal. I think just, like, it pisses off the emperor. To bury people? Like, I mean, I don't remember anything from Deuteronomy or anything that, that laid out such complicated burial rituals that somebody would get upset about them. Like, what were these Assyrians doing that burying somebody in the ground was such, like, a, a notable diversion from the norm? Well, I think it might be, like, he wanted to kill them and, like, that would be an example to everyone. And so he mm. wanted, like, the dead bodies, you know, in the public square or whatever. I see. Um, that's an educated guess. Our ancient Assyrian listeners write in and let me know what the big what deal was. What Sennacherib's deal was. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, Tobit uh, no longer has his cushy job, and he has to go into hiding, Mm -hmm. and the government... Because of his corpse-burying ways. Yeah. And the government takes all his money, uh, much like Uncle Sam and the clowns in Congress. That's right. Much like our fallen hero, (laughs) Kim.com. So... Just a joke. I really... (laughs) Don't have any opinions either way on that. Um, Nico feels very strongly about Kim.com and everyone should uh, write to him about it. Uh, so, But then, Sen- but only in a sexual way. Sennacherib gets assassinated by his sons. And then uh, another son takes over. Mm-hmm. That's uh, S.R. Haddon. And he puts Tobit's nephew, Ahikar, mm-hmm. in, in charge of his treasury. Right. So now, uh, now it's safe for Tobit to come back. Out of hiding. So he's he's chilling. Yeah. And in fact, when he gets home, they lay out a big feast for him. Well, it's the Harvest Festival. Okay. It's the Festival of uh, Glasnost or something. What's it's it called? the Festival of Weeks, a.k.a. Shavuot. Okay. There you go. Um, in some, in some... But also it is the Festival of Glasnost. And, uh... <laughs> in some places it's called Pentecost. <laughs> oh. That's what I was reaching for. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought you were reaching for, like, a gradual opening of Russia to the West. Well, you know I'm always reaching for that gradual uh, opening of Russia to the West. Okay. Uh, need to monitor your internet usage, apparently. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the Harvest Festival. The spread is top-notch. <laughs> They've got... 95 out of 100 for the Bialis. spread. <laughs> They've got challah. I only know baked goods. What else did you eat? <laughs> Juicy, whatever, whatever's on, on the menu, baby. I don't think that's true. They don't eat pork. So it, the Bible says, the table was set for me and the dishes placed before me were many. So I said to my son, Tobiah, son, go out and bring in whatever poor person you find among our kindred exiled here in Nineveh, who may be a sincere worshiper of God to share this meal with me. Indeed, son, I shall wait for you to come back. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention that it's in first person. Parts of it are. Yeah. yeah. Um. So... A problem happens. Father, I said to him, here I am, son. He answered, father, one of our people has been murdered. He's been thrown out into the marketplace and there he lies strangled. I sprang to my feet, leaving the dinner untouched, carried the dead man from the square and put him in one of the rooms until sundown so that I might bury him. I returned and washed and in sorrow ate my food. I remembered the oracle pronounced by the prophet Amos against Bethel. And he explains that that oracle said, yeah, Jews are in trouble. Yeah. The exile isn't good. And we already know that burying bodies is like his 
his main deal. Yeah. Although his neighbors all tell him, like, you're just going to get in trouble again. He's yeah. like, no, man, I got He's like, haven't you learned your lesson? You just went into exile for burying bodies. And he's like, no, I can't stop. <laughs> I, just, I, I gotta, got the itch. <laughs> just gives me a rush, man. Uh, An unusually nice sense of pacing and, and, and action that's true. here in, in that's this true. piece of writing. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel great. It's like in, in media res. Well, except, I mean, we haven't resed. Like, we're actually in media right now. Yeah, I guess that's true. And later we're going to media. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. So we're like ex media right now because mm-hmm. we're still in Nineveh. Um, but so then what happens is he's unclean. He's ritually unclean from handling a dead body. Mm-hmm. So he has to sleep outside by a wall. I mean, the wall is optional, but he has to like <laughs> sleep away from his house. And this is goofy as hell because while he's sleeping, here's the quote. I did not know that sparrows were perched on the wall above me. Their warm droppings settled in my eyes, causing white scales on them. I went to doctors for a cure, but the more they applied ointments, the more my vision was obscured by the white scales until I was totally blind. For four years, I was unable to see, and all my kindred were distressed at my condition. Sparrows shit in his eyes and he went blind. That's like a main plot point in this book, is that sparrows shit in his eyes and he goes blind while he's sleeping. What, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> and the reasons that got him there were good. Like, he should have been burying those bodies to honor God based on his own teachings and his own opinions. Well, that's not what the sparrows thought. But what does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> so now he's blind and he can't work because uh-huh. he's blind. And they haven't invented Braille or anything yet. <laughs> And so his nephew who works in the treasury supports him for a couple years, but then he moves away. <laughs> it's just like not really explained. It's like, oh, you know, like he got a promotion. He had to move to Elam. Yeah. And um, so now Tobit's wife, Anna, has to support the family with her weaving. The next section of the book, by the way, is Tobit's prayer for death. Uh, Yeah, <laughs> because what happens is Anna gets paid one day for her weaving um, with a goat and Tobit, for some reason, thinks that she stole the goat and prays for God to kill him because he's so ashamed. And it's really amazing because it's in first person still. And he's so he's like, one day my wife got paid with a goat, but I didn't believe her. So I was praying for death because I was so ashamed. Mm-hmm. But like I was mistaken. She actually got paid with that goat. But like, whatever. I really wanted to die. Anyway, here's my prayer for death. Yeah. <laughs> It is better for me to die than to live because I have listened to undeserved reproaches and great is the grief within me. People are very concerned about reproaches, undeserved ones especially. It's true. I mean, you would be too if you were blinded by sparrow shit, I imagine. <laughs> I'm confused here because what are the undeserved reproaches that he's been experiencing? I don't really know. I mean, I guess for burying the dead bodies? It's unclear. But I think that's the, those are the only reproaches he's found. Listeners, our faces are like twisting into question marks right now. We're looking at each other like. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh-huh. a woman named Sarah is also praying for the sweet release of death <laughs> because she want to die. She's been married seven times and an evil demon keeps killing her husbands on their wedding night. And which demon is that? Uh, I didn't write down his name. Did you? Yeah, it's Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Or Asmodeus. And some people think she's a pulling a Scarlett Johansson. She's a black widow? She's a black widow. Mm-hmm. I have never seen any of those movies, but I assume that she gets that name because she kills all her husbands. Is that true? Uh, I'm just going to say yes. Great. Um, so she's embarrassed because people think she's like a seven time murderer. (laughs) Also, it's like kind of sad to see like seven to like fuck seven guys and then they all die. Like doesn't make you feel like. No, that's the important thing is she doesn't get to fuck them. Oh, she doesn't. They die on the way to having intercourse with her. Oh, so she's still a virgin. Oh, well, good for her. Is that? Mm, Well, mm, mm, ah, mm. complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. I'm judging by the strange I mean, noises coming from your face that it's complicated. Virginity is a patriarchal construct anyway, but she also she also can't give birth to any heirs if there's no man around to put a baby in her. Well, yeah, if you don't fuck, you don't have kids. But she's her parents' only child. 
So, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna put an asterisk on Sarah. Okay. The seven time virgin. Hasn't she, you know, had enough? Like, hasn't she gone through enough that we don't need to put an asterisk on her too? We're gonna put an asterisk asterisk on her uh, for later. She's an asterisk youth. And we'll go back, <laughs> baby. Do you, are you going to give me a promotion right now? Baby, I've been working I, really hard. Baby, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> I'm afraid you're fired. Oh, no. Not again. <laughs> um, but then we we cut back to Tobit, who is giving his son Tobias some fatherly advice. Yes. And uh, it includes, you know, worship God, not golden calves. Give money to the poor. Don't drink too much. It's all classic Deuteronomical advice. Always marry a relative. Never marry someone who isn't related to you. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it in the family. Pour out your wine and your bread on the grave of the righteous, but do not share them with sinners. Um, and then the last thing is, uh, you know, there's always money in the banana stand. That's right. I.e., I left 600 pounds in silver coins with my buddy Gabael. And I have one half of the of the will, one half of the contract. Yeah, and I have the contract. I have this in writing, and uh, it's in media. Yeah, so he's got to like devise a like a legal heist scheme. It's like a legal heist movie, except that. I mean, his plan is just to ask for it back. Yeah, that's why it's legal. Okay, but it like they have to recruit some people to do it. Okay, and by people, I mean one person. And we'll find out who that person is. It's like Ocean's One. Or no, Ocean's Ocean's 2. We'll find out who the second ocean is after the break. Oh, yeah. Nice radio, baby. Thank you, my darling. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're going to take a break. Thanks to all the cats and kittens out there in Radioland. (laughs) Cats and kittens? Yeah. Are like the cats boys and the kittens girls? Yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. This is making sense. It's clicking into place. Cats, kittens, and other assorted felines out there in Radioland. What's up? What, what is there besides cats and kittens? There's people who are non-binary. Between cats and kittens? Uh, there's teenage cats. All right, shut up. We're gonna you sort shut this. up. <laughs> We're gonna sort this out, and we'll be right back after this. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the book of Tobit. Um, And when we left off, Tobias was going to go get the 600 pounds of silver coins that his dad, Tobit, left with his buddy Gabael in a city or state called Media. And Tobit is concerned that his son won't be able to redeem this debt if he dies. Um, if that is, if Toby dies oh, and Toby is like praying for death and he's like, sort this out while I'm alive and then yes. I can die and you'll be taken yes. care of. But there's a problem, which is that Tobias, A, doesn't know if Gabriel is going to like trust him because mm-hmm. he's not his dad. And uh, B, he doesn't know how to get to media. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my career. Um, so he's preparing for the trip and, uh, the archangel Raphael comes down Mm -hmm. in human form Mm -hmm. and he says that his name is Azarias, son of Ananias. It could possibly be pronounced Azarias, like 
Hank and his family. Oh, it could. It could be pronounced like a Hank. Um, and so that's like part of their tribe. So that's like trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And um, he offers to escort Tobias to Media. Tobias said to him, do you know the way to Media? Yes, he replied. I've been there many times. I know the place well, and I'm acquainted with all the routes. I have often traveled to Media. I used to stay with our kinsman Gabael, who lives at Rages in Media. Or Rages? I assume Rages. It is a good two but days. Rages ju- is good. That yeah. fits right in with Media. It does. It is a good two days journey from Ekbatana to Rages, for Rages is situated in the mountains. But Ekbatana is in the middle of the plain. Okay, like nobody asked you your fucking life story. You were just like day labor. Like, Actually, I think Toby explicitly asked him for his life story because he was like, uh, I'm blind from Sparrow shit and I don't know if I can trust you with my son, well, my precious is, son. This is Tobiah asking him. Tobiah goes out to the corner and finds a dude. That red is a little suspicious to me when like the dude is like, oh, I know everything about Medea. Mm. What a coincidence. I've stayed there. I know many everything times. about media. <laughs> I know all the hashtags. I'm a regular media hound. I know all the memes. I spend all the time on the social ones, for example. <laughs> I do it all the different ways. That's right. So then we got like the adventures of Toby and Raph. Yep. And they're like going on their little journey. Before they go on their journey, though, Tobias brings his new conquest or new his new buddy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. His, his new buddy. Continue. Back to meet his dad. Uh, Tobit greeted him first. He replied, joyful greetings to you. Tobit answered, what joy is left for me? Here I am, a blind man who cannot see the light of heaven, but re- must remain in darkness. Like the dead who no longer see the light. Though alive, I am among the dead. I can hear people's voices, but I do not see them. Yes, Tobit's not doing so great. <laughs> it's like, is your dad, like, okay? His, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Don't worry about him. Yeah, we're just, you know... We're going out to get his inheritance, and then he can die. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they go out they're trekking down the road and they uh they they stop to camp by the Tigris River mm-hmm. where a fish jumps out of the water and tries to swallow Tobias's foot yes he shouted in alarm but the angel said to the young man grab the fish and hold on to it yes grab it grab that fish <laughs> he seized the fish and hauled it up on dry land the angel then told him Slit the fish open and take out its gall, heart, and liver. And okay, this is getting a little okay. explicit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were being triggered. No. <laughs> and keep them with you, and but throw away the other entrails. Its gall, heart, and liver are useful for medicine. Yes. Of so, course. Okay, so they eat the fish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they retain eat the, fish. the gallbladder, heart, and liver uh-huh. in a little pouch, perhaps. I assume they keep them separate because they've got very distinct uses, as yes. we will learn. Yes. So, so they've got their fish organs, mm-hmm. and they they keep keep on trucking, and eventually they're getting close to uh, Media, and they reach uh, Ekbatana. Mm-hmm. Ekbatana is where Sarah lives now. You remember Sarah earlier? We put an asterisk on her most cruelly, if I remember. Yep. And uh, and Raf says. Bruh, come here, I gotta tell you, like, I'm your cousin. I will be your wingman. Yeah, and we're gonna stay with our uncle Raguel, mm-hmm. which means the tomato sauce of God. <laughs> and, awful. you know, he's my uncle too, because I'm your cousin. Yeah, because I'm your cousin yeah. and not an angel. I'm not a being of, of pure light. Mm-hmm. And his since daughter, you are Sarah. Yeah. And since you are Sarah's closest relative, you more than any other have the right to marry her. Yeah. Of so, course. I mean, we learned about this in the book of Ruth, right? Uh-huh. So uh, she's an eligible bachelorette and um, incest is very important to our family, as That's we all right. know. That's right. So I think you should marry her. Plus, because of our awesome incestuous inheritance laws... Uncle Ragu has to give you his daughter, or he could face the death penalty. That's right. And Raphael's, Isn't that great? That's it. That is awesome. Raphael's closing words to him. Now listen to me, brother. Do not worry Bruh. about that. Bruh. Now listen to me, brother. Do not worry about that demon. Take Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tobias is like, well, 
demons killed her first seven husbands. I'm not super into getting killed by a demon. And he's like, Alf's like, no, don't worry about it. Uh, so they get there and uh, Raguel and his wife Edna welcome them. And yeah, Tobias marries Sarah. Tobias. Well, he asks for her in a marriage. Yeah. And Raguel's like, yeah, like you could marry her. In fact, if I don't let you, like, I could be put to death. Mm-hmm. But like, you're gonna get demon murdered. <laughs> I love, I love this. So, the marriage goes ahead. He, yeah. Like, Raguel is delighted that somebody wants to marry his fucking cursed ass daughter. Yeah. Um, the wedding night. They drop the marriage contract. Yeah, they drop the marriage contract. They have a feast, whatever. Well, they don't have a feast. They just have like a regular dinner. Okay, well, yeah, they have a nice dinner. But they put Sarah in this spare room. <laughs> like, she's not there for the meal. They're just like, okay, you just go wait in here. This guy will come in and fuck you later. <laughs> and when he does go in for the wedding night, etc. Uh-huh. Tobias... Takes out the uh, fish heart and fish liver uh-huh. that he stored, thanks to Raphael's advice. Yeah, the, ulti- the ultimate wingman, Azarias. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he like he's, he's literally like, the ultimate wingman. He's he like, like he's a man dude, with wings. When you, <laughs> oh shit. He so that so he burns he burns the fish organs and that causes the demon to flee to Egypt. The odor of the fish repulsed the demon and it fled to the upper regions of Egypt. Raphael went in pursuit of it and there bound it hand and foot. Then Raphael returned immediately. Yeah, and so and then what? apparently no one noticed that like their house guest slash cousin just like flashed himself zoomed to- away at the speed of light and like came back. Yeah, like nobody notices. Um Raguel and Edna just leave the two lovebirds alone in the spare bedroom. That's mm-hmm. actually literally what the good news translation called it is the spare bedroom. Uh, and they have a servant start digging a grave because they assume that a demon is going to murder Tobias. Perhaps Tobias will die. Then we would be a laughingstock and an object of mockery. Yeah, I really like that that's their main concern is like the neighbors will make fun of us. Because like... Did you not learn after the first seven? The first like, seven. Like, how could you let a, an eighth husband die? Yeah. And so they want to, like, have the grave ready so they can, like, get rid of his body, like, before dawn and mm-hmm. the neighbors won't see. Uh, but, hurrah, Tobias lives. They fuck, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the servant sneaks in there to check if she if uh, Tobias is dead. And I assume he's just sleeping soundly in post-coital bliss. They fill in the grave. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, everything's... You know what I'm talking about. Every- <laughs> everything's spiffy, and they start having a wedding feast. Raphael, a.k.a. Azarias, mm-hmm. uh, back from his debut in the Egyptian demon rodeo, uh, goes and gets the 600 pounds of silver coins from Gabael yes. in media. Mm-hmm. And he brings Gabael to the... Wedding feast. I like the spec. So the the reason why Tobias sends Raphael, aka Azarius, away to get the money during the wedding feast, I like it is very endearingly specific. He's like, my mom and dad will be very worried about me. Yes, and so like the longer I'm away, the more worried they'll get. So while we have to have this feast that has to be two weeks long, let's not waste any time. Can yeah. you just like go take care of this? thing for me so we can get back to my parents as soon as possible i don't know i found that i found that kind of endearing yeah and the wedding feast takes two weeks for some reason and always been two weeks honey tobias's parents are been to a wedding feast i can't say that i have oh you've missed out uh tobias's parents are worried sick and Mm -hmm. they think he must have died i don't understand why they couldn't like send a messenger i don't understand why the parents aren't invited to the wedding feast of their only son uh, but whatever, after two weeks, they're, they're done with the feast and, uh, Tobias finally returns home with a new wife and hella ducats and, um, he still has the magical fish liver with him. So when he gets home, he's able to magically cure his 
father's blindness. With the fish gall. With the, oh, yeah, with the fish gall, not yeah, the liver. Not the liver. Come on. I'm sorry. That's a fucking I'm rookie sorry. mask mistake. Can you believe if I'm... you tried to apply some fish liver to somebody's face? Anyway, so now Toby can see again. Yay for Tobit. He spent four years blind. Because birds shit in his eyes. Yeah, because birds shit in his eyes while he was asleep. By a wall. And then, like, through the through the grace of God, he was given sight back because Raphael decided to impart what sounds like old wives' tales of, like, folk medicine yes. to, to his son. Yes. Um, so, Tobit's family wants to pay Raphael, their putative cousin, mm-hmm. half of the silver coins that they just retrieved. Because, like, he really went... Above and beyond as a travel guide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he was the ultimate wingman, first of all. Secondly, he helped... He defeated a demon. He defeated a demon. He helped cure blindness. And also, he, like, got 600 pounds of silver coins, like, no problem whatsoever. Like, yeah, that part isn't even mentioned. No, he just it's like one and, sentence. It's like, yeah. Takes, he just takes care of it. He's Yeah, exactly. Um, So they're like, here, take 300 pounds of silver coins. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Uh, actually, I don't need it because I'm an angel. I'm about to blow your GD minds right and, now. And <laughs> uh, so then he explains like all his angel deeds, which is interesting because it kind of like tells us about how angels work, I guess. Right. So he says, A, that he delivered both Tobit's and Sarah's prayers to God. Mm-hmm. So I guess like God doesn't receive your prayers directly. An angel is like a the messenger for them he's like the telegraph operator or something that that translates the stuff coming over the yeah, wire I guess. and turns it into paper um also apparently he was the one who was sent to test tobit by blinding him by i guess squeezing full sparrows over his eyes maybe he was those sparrows squeezing full sparrows <laughs> yeah uh i mean those if the sparrows are full they're going to become unfull regardless. Yeah, I don't know if they need to be squeezed. Well, if you squeeze them. See what I mean? He could like squeeze them sort of metaphysically. You know, he could be like, like poke them just in the right place. I mean, he knows about all the organs, clearly. <laughs> knows about all the fish organs. Why wouldn't he know about the sparrow organs? You're making a great case. It's just squeezing, just squeezing some just sparrows. Squeezing some sparrows. Just a regular night squeezing some sparrows. He was also sent to cure uh, Tobit's blindness and hooked by Sarah up, obviously. We yep. just witnessed that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says he's one of seven angels who stand in God's presence, ready to serve him. Then he uh, pieces back out into the sky. So at the end of the book, uh-huh. everything is pretty much cool. Yeah. Which means Tobit can die. Yay! <laughs> but it's like 50 years later. Yeah, it is. Because he's he's 62 when he's blinded, and the blindness lasts for four years, mm-hmm. so he's 66. And he doesn't die till age 112. Mm-hmm. A um, very respectable age. Yes. And he, on his deathbed, gives Tobias another round of fatherly advice. But this time it's less focused on incest. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, more focused on, uh, he says, like, flee to media again um, because, like, the Babylonian exile is about to happen. (laughs) And we're already in the Assyrian exile, so it's going to be bad times for the Jews. And uh, God's temple in Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Right. So that does happen. Like, those things that he predicts do happen. The temple gets destroyed. And uh, Babylon takes over Judah. But, like, this book was written hundreds of years after that. So, like, the prophecy isn't actually that impressive. Right. But what's weird is that he then says that, like, when the temple is rebuilt, that's going to be like a day of reckoning. Yeah. And all the nations in the world will start worshiping the one true God. And a light that will be seen across the entire world will flash. Which whenever I see something like that, I'm like, yeah, it's the atomic bomb. (laughs) And, well, that would be a really impressive prophecy. Well, I mean, directly after the dropping of the first atomic bomb, Israel was founded. Oh, Jesus. I mean, Moses. I mean. So anyway, that's that's a prophecy of Tobit, is that a a light will flash across the entire world. And then all the nations of the world 
will pay homage to the holy city in Jerusalem. And he well, and he also says like all the sinners will be wiped from the face of the earth. But but yeah, we, that didn't actually happen. We do see. I mean, a that didn't happen after the atomic bomb, and also b it didn't happen after the temple was rebuilt. Oh, the temple! Was I'm getting a little <laughs> emotional. That you're doing just a little Betty Boop thing. Uh, after the temple was rebuilt, which happens in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. We uh-huh. saw that. We did. And uh, the boringest books in the Bible. Shit did not happen. Yeah, nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, the author writing this hundreds of years later knows that, mm-hmm. but is still writing this in. It's kind of like in the book of Enoch when we had like an apocalypse from the past. Right. So I guess my question is like, do you think this should be in the Bible? Here are the positives for me. Okay. In terms of it being a Jewish piece of literature, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of it's got a lot of prose to it. I mean, like, because it's a nice parable for a lot of the the wisdom literature or and the Deuteronomical law literature sort of acted out. You know, and there was some of this scattered into the earlier books too, where there would be like little examples of somebody. You know, being like, oh, well, the correct thing to do in this case is actually to have X person marry Y because they're the most closely related relative. Mm -hmm. Especially in the Book of Ruth. Especially in the Book of Ruth. This one does it, I think, a little bit better because the narrative is a little bit better constructed. Mm -hmm. So it has a little a little more flow through it. It's not just like crammed in as like a crappy part of some other book. It's also got. A nice, it's got a couple, it's got some prayers in it, you know, but they're like baked into the story. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like. And they're prayers for the sweet release of death. (laughs) That's right. Although there is a nice, there's a song at the end. Yeah, a song of praise at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's got a lot. Which like they fucking should praise God because like. He did it all for him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He just sent out an angel for their individual family to like make them rich and happy. Even though it apparently wasn't because of God's preference for them, it was because of, I guess, like the power of prayer or something. Well, like I guess that. Tobit was like righteous. Yeah. Here's what's weird to me. Okay. A, the big emphasis on angels mm-hmm. and like the actions of angels, mm-hmm. which I don't know has been downplayed quite a bit so far. I don't know, like specifically how all protestant denominations deal with angels mm-hmm. um i mean certainly angels are in the bible in the protestant bible um and like the angel gabriel plays a big role in the story of jesus's birth mm-hmm. i know like a lot of um protestants sort of believe in angels in a like non-biblical way as like good luck charms type of things and they like collect i don't know little porcelain children angels sure like a precious moments kind of thing yeah but like growing up in the church i don't think we ever talked about angels once Mm -hmm. except in the outfield of course of course yeah i mean that that was included like at the end of every sermon but (laughs) aside from that or in america yeah (laughs) well that one was not not talked about (laughs) that was extremely ignored um yeah, so that that part is weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the other part that's weird to me is like that they just like kind of casually mention an apocalypse. Yeah, the prophecy at the end is pretty strange. Are all the apocrypha like? Do they all have to do with apocalypses? I, I mean, we've only done two so far, and they have both featured apocalypses. I mean, we'll we'll just have to we'll just have to see. We've got a lot to go through. That's true. We still do have a lot. Several apocrypha. Um, and we still have a lot of apocryphon to get through. Um, Should we write this book? I guess. I guess so. Okay, let's do it. What are you going to write this book? I am going to give this book nine out of fourteen. Demon wedding nights. Okay. And let me explain why. All right. First of all, I think. The most important thing about it is it has a real nice narrative through line. Mm-hmm, I agree. It starts, it ends. It's got, like we talked about, little interjections of action mm-hmm. in the scenes. It's got scene construction. And I think the, the construction of the literature is at a higher level than some of the other garbage in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
However, the core of it, like what it uses, what it does that for is like not that interesting. I mean, it's like just sort of a morality story to tell you about like some key Jewish concepts like marry your closest relative. <laughs> yep. But I mean, on the other hand, one of the other core Jewish concepts is trying to tell you is if you have money, it's like your money is an obligation, mm-hmm. like Mallory Orberg said. Mm-hmm. Be, you have to be charitable. Like that is your obligation as a Jew, which I kind of like. I like that. Yeah. And the fact that Tobit's essential problem was caused by the fact that he was like too generous with his time and that he was like too committed to being a good Jew, mm-hmm. like a good religious observant Jew. Yes. That like that not only brought the the attentions of the state upon him. The fat all, cats in Washington. The fat cats in Washington, but also of God, question mark. Cause he, and that's, that's points off because I don't get it. Like he was tested because some sparrow shat in his eyes that Raphael like squeezed. Raphael, like the angel squeezed I, some sparrows into his I eyes. I like your past tense of shit as shat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the past perfect though? I shit, I shat, I have... I have shat. I have shat. Shat shat applies there too. Okay. Yeah. Like I have shat in many a a gas station. Okay. Not shit. Bathroom. You don't you don't shave or shit. No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. That sounds silly. Okay. Um the problems with it Mm -hmm. include the fact that it's pretty slight. Like it doesn't really have a lot of like spiritual consequence to it. Okay. Except the bizarre prophecy at the end, end, which doesn't seem to line up with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it does seem like really shoehorned in there. And the other problem is the problem that I think kept it out of like contention for canonical status in Judaism, Mm -hmm. which is that it's like semi-historical. Like it was written in like the first century BC or second century BC. Something like that. Something like that. But about a time like 600 years before that. Yeah. So it's not like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's got some some basic errors about it that prevent it from being historical. Like the the distances between the places are incorrect. They are? Mm-hmm. And some of the place names are made up. Except for media, the <laughs> one true God. <laughs> and I think in the end, the testing of Tobit doesn't really have any powerful spiritual impact behind it i mean it's it feels like job just like without any of the consideration or thought Mm -hmm. put behind it yeah it kind of yeah it's like a really like low stakes job yeah which we already have full job why would we need low stakes job what do you what did you think um i think i'm gonna give it seven out of eleven Papist sacrileges. Okay. Because, like, it's weird and unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I agree with with the things that you said. That, like, I did, like, the uh, pacing and the plot, mm-hmm. um, despite the a point of view violation after chapter two and a half or mm-hmm. so. Um, I just, it's weird. It's weird and focused on angels and the apocalypse in a way that I don't understand. Cool. And I hate what I don't understand, and I shun it. And I refuse to accept it. Well, you're not the only person to do that. So, welcome to the fucking... Welcome to the nation. Welcome you know? to the jungle? Yeah, welcome to the jungle. We got... Here's the plus side. We got fun and games. Oh, sweet. I was afraid the jungle was going to be hella boring. <laughs> Speaking of hella boring, that's been our podcast. <laughs> Yay! Before we finish out, I want to tell you one or two things what are the one or two things there were things i should have brought up earlier but because i'm not a professional broadcaster and not very prepared i screwed it up oh for example i had a little asmodeus info what yeah tell me more about asmodeus he's a cool demon oh. here's the info i have according to the kabbalah and the school of rashba uh-huh. asmodeus is a cambian Born as the result of a union between Agrat Bat Mahlat, a succubus, and King David. Yeesh. 
Yeah. Whoa. That's awesome, right? That's fucked up. He was supposed by some Renaissance Christians to be the king of the nine hells. Asmodeus also is referred to as one of the seven princes of hell in Binsfield classification of demons. Each one of these princes represents one of the seven deadly sins. Asmodeus is the demon of lust and is therefore responsible for twisting people's sexual desires. So it's like the husband's wanting to fuck that virgin on wedding night. Summon the demon every time. That's interesting because in the actual text of the book, it Mm -hmm. says that Raphael is one of seven angels. Mm. Well, I mean, seven's an important number. Yeah. But like, he's like one of the top seven angels. (laughs) So if Asmodeus is one of the top angels, the top seven demons, Mm -hmm. then that's a direct conflict between between upper management. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, those are my demon facts, so we're going to close it out there. Um, okay. This has been Sunday School Dropouts, a presentation of the Sunday School Dropouts Network, <laughs> sponsored by the Sunday School Dropouts Trust of America. Wow. Didn't realize we'd gotten that big. <laughs> of which I am the CEO and president. Oh. Well, what am I? <laughs> Secretary? Is that too sexist? Mm. <laughs> mm. All right, we'll discuss this off air. Um, we would like to thank Elise Carlton for our logo. Yes, and you can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Sunschool Drop. Uh, give us some thumbs. <laughs> give us some thumbs. Yeah. Uh, our website is sundayschooldropouts.lol. And uh, Nico Dezella, our music in sound editing and producing and such. You can send us email at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. And uh, if you want to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be super, super helpful for us. Not only would it be helpful, it would put you among the hallowed ranks of such brilliant and beautiful individuals as the following. Our Falconer wrote... Five out of five uncanny valleys of dogs. I love this podcast more than ancient Israelites love worshiping Baal. Oh my w- God, that's a sh- fucking shit ton. <laughs> if you want to understand. That's a metric fuck ton. If you want to understand how much that is, this podcast will enlighten you. The almighty boob wrote. Hi, boob. <laughs> 14 out of 14 hands on thighs. Like Lauren, I'm also an ex-believer turned atheist. My family was never really big on religion, but I still sort of believed kind of. This podcast let me learn all the stuff I missed out on, never having really gone to church. Uh, we have uh, a review from Not Juniper, who rated us 7 out of 7 golden oxen. A uh, wonderful podcast as someone raised Christian and who left the church a few years ago. Oh, girl, I feel you. Uh, this podcast is a hilarious and informational blast from the past. I recommend it for anyone, regardless of their knowledge or experience with the Bible. And uh, then we also have the ghost of David Mitchell. Who's David Mitchell? He's dead, I assume. Isn't that a British comedian? He used to be, maybe. Okay. Uh, The Ghost of David Mitchell rated us seven out of five. Worthless and reckless men. We're getting non-Euclidean here. (laughs) And so the show is simply a treasure. Hilarious and endlessly fascinating. Thank you so much to all the people who rated and reviewed us on iTunes. It's so helpful and it really helps other people find us and we really appreciate it. And we'll be back to regularly scheduled Bible programming next week. We'll be back to what now? regularly scheduled Bible programming next week. Is it like Uncle Raguel? It's exactly like Uncle Raguel. All right. And hope he gives me his only daughter in marriage. We'll find out next week (laughs) on Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 